Today's show is brought to you by Eight Sleep. Winter is here, and eight smart mattresses will keep you nice and toasty all season long. Visit 8sleep.com slash T-E-T-A and use the code TITA to get $125 off all mattresses, plus free shipping and free returns. That's 8, spelled E-I-G-H-T, sleep.com slash T-E-T-A and code TITA to redeem this special offer. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, senior tech editor at The Verge. And you're listening to Too Embarrassed to Ask, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is a show where we answer all of your embarrassing questions about consumer tech. It could be any question at all, like why Kara was able to come up with a whole list of women who could have spoken at CES at a keynote, and yet there were none. Yeah, that was interesting. But coming to you from the people who brought you pink gadgets, I'm not surprised. So send us your questions. Find us on the Twitter or tweet them to us at Recode or to myself or to Lauren with the hashtag Too Embarrassed. We also have an email address so you can send us emails. It's tooembarrassed at recode.net. And a friendly reminder, there are two R's and two S's in embarrassed. So Kara, you were here just, I don't know, 12 hours ago, maybe? Yeah, I was. But you I left. I didn't, I didn't get to see you. No, I was there for my eight-hour Vegas trip. I came in to do a panel uh, that Twitter was putting on, and it's, they had a facility at the at Cos- a very elegant facility at the Cosmopolitan, and it was called uh, "Here We Are," which was showing women were available to talk at CES, even though uh, the what is it, the CEA couldn't find them. CTA, I think. CTA, whatever. CTA. Whatever. We we did our own event, and it had hundreds of people, and we gave talks, and we talked about women in tech. We talked about careers. We talked about all kinds of things, and it was a really great event. So I uh, and, it, and it, so I came in and left, essentially, just for that. I didn't go to any CES activities. Well, I'm sorry that I didn't get to see your panel or get to, yeah. see, get to see your face while you were here. It was uh, streamed kind of on wish, Twitter. I kind of we wish that six, you were here because our Wi-Fi issues are so bad this morning. I know, I, everything is. But just so you know, it streamed live on Twitter. It had 650,000 last night. Like It was like enormous. So it was great. We had a great time. Uh, but, you know, you guys have a lot of, of different um, different things going on. You have a power outage, your Wi-Fi sucks, uh, everything else. I know. Uh, but on the so upside, we talk we've about. also been doing a live streaming Twitter thing. The Verge partnered with Twitter at CES this year for a live streaming show, so we've been doing that every day. Um, Good. So that's been a lot of fun. Cool. All right, well, let's get right into it. Uh, who do you have with you? Who have you dragged into this discussion of CES? I'm very excited to have my colleague Ashley Carmen with me here in the so-called studio. <laughs> the Ariam yeah, Hotel we're, Suite. It's we're. fantastic and beautiful and <laughs> all, the, all the positive adjectives you can think of. Right. Our studio is actually just, it really is just a hotel suite, and we've totally transformed it into both a live set. And anyway, we're in a bedroom right now. Ashley is the co-host of the Outstanding Verge podcast. Why did you push that button? Uh, mm-hmm. It's really awesome. It was it was voted one of the iTunes top new podcasts. Oh, yeah. And yeah, Spotify right? put it on their like most talked about 2018 pod, or 2017 podcast. I'm already living in the future. Sorry. It's, that's <laughs> good. Also 2019. Yeah. It's, it's a fantastic podcast, but this is her first time uh, joining us on our show on Too Embarrassed. So Ashley, thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thanks for having yes. me, both of you. Yeah, so we have a lot to talk about. Um, so it's impossible to cover it all, but let's go over some of the top themes from this year's show. Lauren, why don't you introduce them? Because you're there, and I literally came in and went out, essentially. Uh, well, this one is one that you might appreciate, because given your just uber-busy lifestyle, Kara, mm-hmm. everyone yeah. could use a little help sometimes. Um, assistance, virtual yeah, assistance. I don't have one. I don't this have an was, assistant. I, well, Okay, maybe you don't, but maybe you could use it a virtual assistant. All right, okay. I, mean, I I'll think you try like that. Alexa, right? I mean, you always talk about how much you like Alexa. Yes, yeah, I do. I like Alexa. I like I like all of them in concept for sure. Well, last year at CES, Alexa was really the biggest theme. Um, mm-hmm. I think it stole the show in a sense. This year, Google really put on a whole blitz, uh, yeah. and. You know, we saw a lot of different hardware come out from third-party hardware makers, OEMs, companies like Lenovo, Sony, LG were all introducing products that integrated the Google Assistant in some way. So my question for the both of you is whether or not you think these products are going to be, I mean, genuinely better than some of the Alexa hardware that's out there that we've already seen. Um, are these things just going to end up on eBay? And like, what does this really mean for a company like Google when it starts working with all of these third-party, you know, hardware makers to get Google assistance 
into devices. Well, I'll start. It's sort of like their phone strategy, right? That's how they had the phone and then everybody made them. I mean, I'm not an expert in that area, but um, it's, it, it, that's the way they've operated. Apple does everything soup to nuts. I'm sorry, Amazon is doing every Apple and Amazon do everything soup to nuts, but, um, but Google is partnering because they want to get it out there. Uh, I don't know. Ashley, what do you think? Um, I mean, I think that it def like Google definitely has a chance at <laughs> defeating Amazon here, even though they had a little bit of a late start on Alexa. Um, just because the reality is Google's apps are great. Google revoked permission for the Echo Show to display YouTube content. And guess what? Those new Google displays here that have the assistant built in are going to be able to play YouTube content. And everyone wants to watch YouTube videos. So purely because of the software and being able to use Google Maps, for example, or other things like that, I think Google has a really great opportunity here. Yeah, I mean, I think people look at the Alexa device and there are a few things that it works really well for, uh, primarily like timers and music. And, and shopping, shopping on Amazon. <laughs> right, right. There's such a big commerce bent to right. uh, all of these Alexa devices, whereas Google is really such a utility in so mm -hmm. many people's lives. I think the biggest problem that people are going to have with Google are just privacy concerns. I mean, totally. we, we right. definitely saw that from some of our audience when the Google Home first came out, which doesn't have a display, um, and the Google Home Mini, right, and things like that. Like, people say, oh, no, a Google speaker in my home? Like, no yeah. way would I ever do that. That's and exactly now you're talking about Now you're talking about something with a display that's going to display your calendar to the household and also has a camera built into the front of it, too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, so I think that's a, that's a real hump for Google to get over. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't turn it on in my home. I, un I actually unplug it and turn it off. I, I, and I'm not like that with the Alexa. It's a really, I have several Alexas, I have the small Echo Dots and things like that. Um, and I find myself really worried about uh, Google. I don't know why. I, you know, I don't, I just feel like their business is about advertising and data and information. Uh, so is Amazon's, but it's more about what I buy. It's like going to the supermarket and then understanding what my needs are by what I do at the checkout. And so I think, I definitely think about it, and I'm someone who's relatively up, up to speed on a lot of things Google's doing. Um, but I, I, I think that's the issue, is the camera in the house for everybody is going to be, you know, people constantly spying on you. And you already have to think about that with your laptop and other things. So I think that's definitely something um, they're going to have to overcome. Yeah. I mean, we saw, we did see one example this week, Lenovo's smart display with Google Assistant. They actually built a sort of slider tab, like a physical slider um, that you can push on the side of the, the device so that you can cover the camera. Um, some people say like they have the Echo Show at home and they put tape over it, right? Like, so this is kind of a more elegant solution. So I think as we see more and more generations of these types of devices, people are going to learn from the last ones and they're going to do little tiny little thoughtful things like that that will help people feel more comfortable about them. But these are always, they're not always, okay, the companies will say they're not always listening. They're like ambiently listening. But these are devices in our homes that are capable of listening to us. Right, exactly. I always assume that whatever the bad thing they can do, I'm always on that, you know, when Facebook Live came out, for example, the first thing I thought of was was suicides and 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 murders and bullying. It just was the first thing popped into my head. And of course, the people there didn't anticipate those issues as well as they should have. Yeah, and for me, it's interesting because I don't have any of these smart speakers in my house. I used to be a cybersecurity reporter. I'm a little bit weird about companies having cameras in my home. But I also use Google for everything. I use Gmail, I use Google Maps, um, and there's plenty of people who have Android phones and use Google Photos. So Google has all of this information on us already. Whereas if I was using Alexa, this is all a new thing for Amazon. I've never told Amazon what I'm searching for other than to shop. I've never asked Amazon, hey, Amazon, what uh, what should I eat today? I don't know. Just like a random question. Like, they don't know what I'm searching for. Whereas Google, I use search. They already know so much about me that I almost feel like that might make me, at this point, I'm already so deep with Google that's like, all right, what else are they no. going to learn about Although, me now? Don't you think a home is a camera in the home? I mean, I, I, you know, often when they ask, can I ask for your location on my phone, which they do almost continually, I always say no. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when they're doing searches, I'm not sure why they need to know if I'm looking up something where I am. Um, but, uh, and I don't turn on the maps. I don't sign into the maps so that they don't save that stuff. Obviously, they have some idea of where I am. Um, but I think, uh, I think they're going to, like, I won't put a nest in. Like, I just don't want too much of the, especially the cameras and the audio. It's just inside the home seems just a step too far of all these companies, not just Google, but all of totally. them. Mm -hmm. 
Well, to close the loop on this, I'll just say I will be very surprised if some of these third-party devices sell super well. I think what's going to yeah. happen is they're going to put them out. But timing-wise, with the way things come out, you know, after CES, like a lot of these devices will probably come out spring, summer, if ever. And at that point, there might even be another Google hardware event, or well, likely it would be their it would be their developers conference. But there might even be another Google hardware announcement before then. You never know. Where it, you know these things kind of get the steam taken out of them, if unless they they like seem really appealing early on. So I would be shocked if you know, like last year when, when Lenovo did that Alexa speaker. I don't mm-hmm. think that did very well. I haven't but, even heard about it. Yeah. Since then. <laughs> it was an it was like an Echo clone essentially. Uh, let's move on to cars. Yeah, so cars. Ashley and I, Ashley and I were both saying that despite having been here at the show now for nearly a week. Like we both really didn't get the opportunity to see many cars, but our colleague Sean O'Kane and a bunch of others, uh, Zach Estrada did. And cars are always a big thing here at CES. It's gotten increasingly bigger over the past few years. In fact, one of our reporters who's headed to Detroit next week for the Detroit Auto Show said he felt as though Detroit was like sounding as though it wasn't going to be as big of an event this year because a lot of the car makers were just coming here. I mean, this is where they're starting to make uh, some of their more futuristic, high-concept announcements. Um, so, Kira, did you get the chance? To, did you get, like, a, I don't know, self-driving lift to take you to your panel last night? Did they, like, roll out the, you know, roll out the autonomous vehicles for you? For me? Kara yeah. Swisher? Yeah, no. you. No. <laughs> no, oh, no, no. I took a lovely cab, very two lovely people, and I, I literally got to the airport Took a cab and then took a cab, and that was my entire. No, I didn't do any self-driving anything. I did it last year, the last year, I guess, or maybe the year before, with Mercedes and some others, down out at race tracks. But there was not, and that was that's all we did. I didn't. I'm I didn't shocked. No one, no one I'm rolls shocked. things out for me. You act like like I show up and like they throw gadgets at my head, but they really don't. <laughs> I read that Lyft partnered with a self-driving tech company called Aptive to offer rides and so-called robot taxis. So I figured maybe that, that so. was maybe what you No, maybe no, you not said. at all. Actually, I don't, I try not to look down, although I did get sort of pummeled in the in the Southwest line as I was coming and going. Uh, and, and all these people were like, why are you taking Southwest? I'm like, well, I don't have wings and a, or a private plane. So I think I, Southwest <laughs> just where, and then they kept talking about everything. Like they love the podcast and they had all kinds of questions and stuff. So I do get recognized at these tech events, but, but largely it's irritating because I just want to eat my sandwich and look at uh, Twitter, but you know, well, one of the, one of the, um, the car startups that mm-hmm. made a big splash at the show this year is called Biden. And when I first Biden. heard it, I honestly thought people were talking about Joe Biden. Like people were like, Biden's here. Yeah, I, I was like, Biden's weird here. Name. It's Where's a that B- name from? B-Y-T-O-N. It's a Chinese company that was founded by the former head of um, BMW's i8 program. i8 are those mm-hmm. awesome supercars. Um, yeah. And I love this. I, Ashley, I want to get your take on this. One of the features that people have been talking about with this new totally connected SUV is that it has the ability to monitor, monitor your vital signs while you're driving. Oh, good God. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, people probably have biophysical responses to things while they're driving. Like either- And what know, else get, do they got? What, what else do uh, they got? Let's see. It's got, oh, there's, there are two different battery options. There's yeah. an entry pack that gives you about 200 miles of range, which is pretty good. And then there's like an mm-hmm. extended pack that offers about 310 miles uh, per charge. It's not that expensive. It starts at $45,000. I mean, I say not that expensive because when you think about Tesla and you're like, oh, oh yeah, 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 I'm gonna this, drop like you know, 120K on a, on a Tesla SUV. What? But um, well, I'm you personally, I'm not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but that's how much it's gonna cost you. But yeah, yeah, I think this is just one of these things that like it looks cool and people have been talking about it and it just monitors, monitors your vital signs. Yeah, I'm just trying you to get rid of my car. car. No, no, I absolutely do Ashley? not. Ashley? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> What are the what vital signs do you have? Your heart rate, right? I don't know. Maybe like, you are still alive. Rate. Congrats! You're driving the yeah. car. You're good. Yeah. You're yeah. Alive. So th- this is a group of people from Faraday Future, which was the hot one, whatever, like the last hot one. They, these people move around a lot. It seems like there's a sort of sorting out in the industry of the talent. Like, yeah. Well, Faraday Future. I don't think it's founded by people from Faraday, but I think they've been hiring people from Faraday because as our transportation reporter, Sean O'Kane, reported not long ago, I mean, Faraday Future is kind of imploding uh, and which will surprise, I guess, few people who have been following uh, the stories around Faraday Future. But all of these um, companies, it will do that. It's just like the car companies when they got started, there were dozens and dozens and then there weren't, right? Like that's that's what you're going to see in this area is all these people will move from thing to thing and try um, try their own uh, hand 
at it. And then, you know, because what's interesting, we had um, uh, uh, Padma Warrior, who's running another uh, startup, and she had, uh, in the car area, and she had never, she's never done cars at all. She was at Cisco and at Motorola and places like that. And she said, I'm, I'm not a mechanical. She was at this women's event. And she's like, I'm, I, I'm not, I've never been a mechanical engineer, but thank God uh, cars are now computers. Um, which was interesting thing to say, and I agree with her on that. So it'll be an interesting time as the industry shakes out and these products come and go, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I still, so. I still think in a lot of ways, Detroit is probably uh, a really big event for the big automakers who, and yeah. especially when it comes to sales of things it's that are actually week, right? going to sell this year. Yeah, but for like the futuristic high concept stuff or any type of like integration, you know, automakers have, obviously have to um, partner with people now for lots of services within the cars. Um, there's a huge aftermarket, you know, industry for like high tech gadgety stuff. Yeah. Like this is a good place for all of those companies to be. You know, they're all gonna, it's gonna sort itself out. It'll take a while. This is not going to happen tomorrow, I think. That's my feeling. Yeah. But I don't know. But it makes CES more interesting than just refrigerators and screens. So that's (laughs) that, right? All right. So speaking of that, that. speaking of that, non-CES stories taking over CES, why don't you guys go through that? Yeah. I mean, so by the way, every year it feels like there's a story that people are talking about that is outside of CES. Like Apple's done that a couple of years where they sort of suck Mm -hmm. the wind out of everything (laughs) going on here in Vegas. Um, Not on purpose at all, no. No, 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 not, they didn't, no, they didn't launch the first iPhone during CES on purpose at all. Um, the, uh, the big story, I'd say the big two stories that everyone's talking about this week, um, there's the Spectre and Meltdown issue, which kind of, you know, has to do with CES since Intel is here, um, and Microsoft is here, and AMD is here, you know, they're all here. And then there's the Huawei story, which once again, uh, CEO Richard Yu did do a key, I think he did a keynote, no, it wasn't a keynote, it was maybe their event presentation, yeah. but spoke on stage here well as well but these are things that are like much bigger than CES uh, actually it's so hard to keep up with the Spectre and meltdown drama but like very briefly tell people what it is and and what's what your take on it is uh- <laughs> essentially all Intel processors possibly AMD as well have serious vulnerabilities in them that could compromise a lot of data. And keep in mind, Intel processors are in truly everything. That means servers, phones, laptops, smart devices, I mean everywhere. So the big story coming out of CES has been Intel had this keynote, and one of the reporters at The Verge, Tom Warren, has been really vigilant about this, is Intel has responded multiple times to these vulnerabilities because everyone needs to know the impact, start patching, and they're really just not coming clean about how badly this is going to slow, once they fix the bugs, how badly it's going to slow down everyone's computers. Mm -hmm. We really don't know yet. Intel hasn't been totally transparent. Yeah, there's a lot of great. No, there's a lot of he said, she said going on. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting too is uh, it, it seems like it's less of a bug, which to me makes me think software issues and more of a design flaw in the sense that when these companies, uh, specifically Intel, but others as well, were designing chips 20 years ago, right? You could not have foreseen uh, that this kind of flaw would eventually emerge in the kind of sort of connected world that we live in Mm -hmm. today. That's like saying to an automaker, you know, that designed a car 10 years ago, like, well, this isn't really suitable for an autonomous world. It's like, yeah, that's hard to foresee, right? But there is this kind of design flaw that exists. Um, There's only so much you can do, I think, in terms of software upgrades or operating system updates in order to help kind of patch these issues, which by the way, mm-hmm. it's, it, they're called Spectre and Meltdown. So if we keep saying Spectre and Meltdown, that's what that's what it's called. That's what the researchers have named them. But like, it probably sounds like gibberish to some people out there. Um, but there is like, like Intel is initially saying, oh, it's not going to impact PCs. And Microsoft sort of defensively came out with a blog post and said, no, your PCs are going to slow down. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially if you're talking about like, ones running on Haswell chips that are running Windows 7 from years ago, right? Yeah. Like that, you know, there are going to be issues. And so they keep going back and forth now. Um, even This even impacts Apple. I mean, yeah. Apple's been kind of mum about this whole thing, but they're impacted as well. Oh, yeah, Apple's impacted. And Microsoft also did release patches and then had to pause their patch release because it was affecting computers that were in unstable states. So it, the whole situation has truly been a, ba- a mess. Even when this design flaw was exposed, it happened before the industry was really ready to come public about it. Uh, so that also kind right. of 
screwed things up. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. It really makes you think. And by the way, I should just to be fair, I think Apple did come out with something last week saying they acknowledged that devices could be impacted, but they've been a little bit quiet this week. Um, yeah, and and I think more problematic is this the spying part the, uh, with China and and. Um, Oh, with Huawei? Huawei, yeah. I mean, I think that's, to me, is the more, it's the same thing. It's the same idea of who's spying on what and the devices we have and, and their their vulnerabilities. And I think, you know, I'm not I'm not one of these saber rattlers, but this is a really big issue of these, these of, of espionage, Chinese espionage and alleged spying and all kinds of stuff. And that's, to me, a more important story is where are our phones right. getting made and how. Yeah, so Huawei was supposed to release a new smartphone uh, to the world this week, and one of the biggest things that was going to happen was that it was finally going to be, it was supposed to be available on a U.S. carrier, AT&T. And then just before that deal was supposed to be announced, uh, they kind of rolled it back. Um, the deal failed to materialize. Honestly, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh. I mean, my mind just went straight to someone's blocking this deal because of concerns. I mean, these concerns about Huawei and some of the other Chinese uh, mm -hmm. networking companies, like telecom companies, like the, they've been expressed before. Um, and then sure enough, uh, Reuters, the information, a couple other outlets started to report that AT&T had been pressured to drop the deal because members mm -hmm. of the U.S. government were concerned about spying. And so, yeah. uh, Richard, you ended up giving us sort of going off script on stage and giving a kind of impassioned speech about how this is bad for consumers because the more products that are out there, more the more competitive a market is, um, but this, you know, this, this well, story is not going to go away. No, absolutely. They're concerned about China, but not Russia. But that's a different story. I, right. I'm concerned about all of them. Uh, and I feel like, it, you know, these phones being made in some of these countries, I think it's concerning. I think it's I think it's not uh, it's not no, you have to think about where they're made, what's going on in these factories and also be thinking about it because, you know, these things are with us at all times. They're going to only become more integrated to our lives, our homes and things like that. And so the ability, you know, there's already been ample proof that one foreign country has tried to mess with our election. Uh, no matter what anybody says, it's clear something was happening with it. And so we have to be thinking about these things, you know, even though they try to sort of make this global argument, um, it's not something we shouldn't be thinking about because of the reliance we have on these devices. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I do want to point out that Immediately, you notice outside the convention center that Huawei has huge, huge banners advertising mm -hmm. their devices. And when this news came out, it just feels very sad for them. It's like, oh, yeah. well, you spend a lot of money, and now the news is totally tainted. Yeah, but I will absolutely. say... Um, in the past, there's been companies like Blue that were found collecting user data from chat for China, things like that. And the what your concerns are, Kara, aren't unwarranted. Like, yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's a history. Yeah, and there's also, you know, there's an old Reagan, I can't believe I'm quoting Reagan, but the trust but verify thing. <laughs> I think you verify and then trust. That's my feeling on in this world on lots of things. I just don't, I take them at face value. I know they say things and I just, I think it's better to be a little conspiratorial in these issues than yeah. not. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, if, I, if I'm going to get spied on, I'm not going to, you know, rely on a Huawei phone to do it. I'm just well, going to, I'm just going to say gonna something out loud and then wait for Facebook to serve me up a totally random <laughs> ad about it. You know, Lauren, I had chip had you chipped long ago. I don't know if you know that. But anyway, <laughs> let's move on to other things. Speaking of chipping, Lauren, um, health and beauty gadgets. Uh, why don't you tell me about some of those? Well, I want to throw this to Ashley because uh, so we're taping this on Thursday. You're going to hear mm -hmm. this podcast a little bit later, but on today's Twitter live show for Circuit Breaker Live. Um, Ashley and I are going to be going over a lot of different beauty gadgets that we've seen at the show this year. I, what is your take on beauty and t the marriage of beauty and tech this yeah, year? Yeah. So, What's uh, a skin scanner, Ashley? What the hell is a <laughs> hair analyzer? Help tell us so about them. It's been a lot. Okay. Well, Lauren and I disagree, which is why we're going to debate this a little bit later. But um, essentially what we're seeing here at CES are a lot of big name companies like Neutrogena, L'Oreal isn't making these devices, but L'Oreal is here. There's also um, uh, Schwarzkopf, which is a big hair brand in uh, Europe. They're all here debuting different tech products that are really designed to personalize their products to you. So Neutrogena introduced this skin analyzer that uses your iPhone or device, and you stick it to your face, and it has a moisture sensor on it and a magnifying camera, and it will tell you how large your pores are, how dry your skin is, the quality of your skin, and then naturally say, here are some products that, from Neutrogena that might 
improve. Fix your life. Yeah. Uh, and the same goes for this hair analyzer. This is more for a salon solution, but Schwarzkopf introduced this hair analyzer where it scans your hair, looks into it, says, okay, moisture level, can kind of figure out what your natural color is and suggest uh, and then create a shampoo for you, actually, using active mm -hmm. ingredients that it thinks is really helpful for your hair. Um, and it's really easy to hate on these products, which is Lauren's hands. I'm not going to speak for you, Lauren. I don't hate them. I don't hate I them. I do. Why not? But keep going. Go ahead. I already I, do. You don't even have to go I mean, I them. totally understand that they're here to hawk products. Like, yes, they are there. But at the same time, I like the idea of a of finding the best product. There are so many makeup products out there. Let's say I am really loyal to Neutrogena. Going up to the Neutrogena area in CVS, what the, I don't know. I'm like, okay, that mascara looks the same as that mascara and I don't really know, I don't know, that skin wash. So individualized products. The, that, right. There is gonna be a push toward that in the future yeah, of everything. Individualized, like medicine, individualized. Uh, I think it's called, there's a word for it, but it's it, the idea that products should be made on demand essentially for the person. Yeah, Everybody's I think that's, different. that's great. Yeah. I think that's yeah. great. It, and again, I mean, I totally see the, the negative part of like, I don't want this company selling directly to me. I don't want them to do it. But if you're already a loyal customer and you like their stuff, I'm into it. Yeah, it seems it seems like a marketing. Some of it feels like a marketing scan. And and some level, it's like you're getting your skin scanned or your hand analyzed. I'd like to have power go on in Puerto Rico. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're sort of like I know I don't want to link them, but it sort of makes me think this is just we're moving down into Hunger Games, the capital territory kind of thing. Yeah, so, but, I think you, you can know. always you can always go to this trade show and walk away with this sort of dystopian view of the yeah. world and just be like, oh, yeah. go fix big problems, please. I completely yeah. agree with you. I think my biggest. I think my biggest thing with this, okay, let's talk about the upside very quickly, just to be fair. The upside is that they're trying to arm consumers with more data. That's great. The tools are available now. You can scan your skin and your hair and you can do personalized analyses of things and get more data. And I appreciate that. And I also do appreciate the fact that these very long-standing traditional consumer packaged goods company, like look at a Johnson & Johnson, right? They're trying to keep up with the times yeah. and they're yeah. trying to appeal yeah. to a younger customer base by keeping up with tech savvy people. And I dig, I dig that, I dig that about you. However, I do sort of resent this idea that, okay, I look in the mirror, I know where my pores are. Okay, they're very evident, the wrinkles, everything's evident to me, right? Um, I don't necessarily need a magnifying lens to tell me that or make me feel worse about it. And then I don't think the solution for certain things should necessarily be buy more stuff. I think it would be yeah. great if someone were to sort of analyze some aspect of myself I was concerned about and then say, all right, well, how much do you sleep? Uh, you know, how much water do you drink? Did you have alcohol in Las Vegas last night? You know, yes, are you, you did. Are you, yes, you did. Are you, did everybody that we did? No, not everyone. We'll speak for everybody. But you know, I don't like, drink you, and I you, was drunk when I landed. It was by the <laughs> yeah, time exactly. I got out of the airport. You also like absorbed the equivalent of a pack of cigarettes, mm -hmm. you know, just mm -hmm. standing around the casino. But, you know, this idea of like, how are you taking care of yourself in different ways? And what is your lifestyle really like? And not just like, here's a lotion with hyaluronic acid that's going to make your skin plumper. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I can't, I, I can't I get into that. I'm, I'm with you on that. And I feel like it's marketing. I just read a terrible story about microbeads. I don't want to get into them that are in some skin products that are like killing the ocean. Like, and they, but that's what I mean. I don't think these companies think are thinking of. I don't. I just think I'm, I'm a cynical person, Ashley. Obviously, <laughs> I, uh, I, I won't yeah. harp on this, but I will say that they have heard your critiques, Lauren, and they have actually started asking questions like. Did you drink last night? How much sleep did you get? What are your average patterns for things? Um, and then also they heard your more criticism about holistic type advice, and they're starting to introduce that too. Oh, that's good. I think they're trying See, to be I like, like to make a difference. Like when, in the world, when Lauren, did you have your hair analyzed? No, I didn't. But I did try this cool mirror. I'm sorry to interrupt you, no, Ashley. I did try this this cool mirror where. Um, it turned my hair blue temporarily, and I actually liked it a lot. Now that's like, oh, cool. That's <laughs> where I want my tech do it to tonight. go. Yeah. You're in Vegas. We're gonna get um, Lauren's hair dyed blue. One thing that's that I do it. want to mention, like on the gadget side, that's kind of cool. I mean, the skin scanner is a gadget, but Ashley also tried um, a hair dryer. That's a cordless hair dryer, and the reason why I thought this was oh, particularly like that. interesting, and I'm gonna nerd out for a second, is because the reason why most hair dryers are corded is because the marriage of lithium ion batteries, rechargeable batteries, and extreme heat, heat generally yeah. not a good thing, yeah, right? This is yeah. a company that says they figured this out. How, did, how are yeah, they doing this? Yeah, so they do have the battery in there. It only lasts um, for 13 minutes. So that's that. But uh, they really aren't using a lot of heat. They actually have a bulb, a near-infrared light bulb, that's, I guess, not affecting the battery at all. And it seems like 
it, it seems like that is what's actually heating your hair. Because there is air coming out. It's not as powerful though, even as a hotel hair dryer. When I used the hotel hair dryer versus this cordless one, I was like, okay, the hotel one has more power. It's better, it's mm -hmm. corded. But the light bulb warms your hair and dries it. So that well, that's interesting. They, they should, that's that is cool. a, that's an, a good, stupid product to fix. I agree with the cords and everything else. All right, but speaking of which, so we're talking about, essentially, they're trying to sell to women most of this stuff, although men are certainly so vain. Um, but uh, but the, I think the, the, the bigger story there was this not, not enough representation of women, and that's why mm -hmm. I was there to protest that. Um, no female keynote speakers, and uh, CE, uh, CTA's initial response to this was typically bad. Um, to keynote at CES, the speaker must head president, CEO level, a large entity who has name recognition in the industry. As upsetting as it is, there's limited pool when it comes to women in these positions. We feel your pain. They don't feel our pain. It bothers us too. The tech industry and every industry must do better. You know, behind the scenes, they were really, uh, I would say, uh, not pleased about the Twitter thing uh, mm -hmm. because it called attention to it. Um, and Kara, what do you think about the limited pool? Like, there's part of me that says, oh, the limited pool is such a over overused. Well, it's not overused. Look, but but is it? I mean, I program code. I program code, and I know this. Yes, there's a limited pool. I I, I don't have pain about it. I don't feel people's pain about it. Uh, it, it. It's so it's so dismissive to women. It's like astonishing. Like they don't feel our pain. Um, I don't know why they had that sentence. That sentence really bugs me, but it really does. Um, I think that I do it all the time. Last year, we managed to get, I think, exactly half the speakers at Code uh, were women. This year, I'm having a lot more trouble, absolutely, because you do run out of names. That said, maybe it's time to change the rules. Like, maybe it's time not to have, like, that's what I was thinking, is like, instead of saying, well, I've gotten them all. And, you know, when Meg Whitman stepped down, I'm like, dang, I, Meg Whitman was probably someone on our list to come and now she's not, a, but maybe we should just have her. Like, why not? She's been a CEO. She's, you know what I mean? Like, why not change? We have similar rules in place at Code or rules that we follow. They're not strict. Um, but they, you certainly just, why not change the rules is, is something I was thinking about. Like, why do you have to follow those rules? Why does it have to be that way? Why can't it be interesting people? You know, we had a range of really interesting uh, uh, women uh, there and they could just, you know, they could, their rules are antiquated and of another era. And that's the, that's the complaint about CES in general, um, which I think are, are very valid. Um, and so that's my take on it. I mean, I think expanding it, we should note too that the, I think the CTA ended up adding two more adding. to the lineup. Uh, Nancy Dubuc, who, Dubuc, is that how you say that? Um, Dubuc, Dubuc. Dubuc, excuse me, um, who we've had at Code before, the president, yep. president and CEO of A&E, and a woman named Kristen Dolan, who is the CEO of 605, which is a, an uh, analytics measurement firm. Um, There's lots. So, I mean, I think there There's are lots, but also it's a good idea to sort of, like you're saying, like expand your idea then of what a powerful or interesting person means. Like, or you know, it, it doesn't have to industries. be a consumer tech company. Or, or industries, be, right. You that, could go to the Fortune's 50 most powerful women and do that. That's years of possibilities there. You know what I mean? And there's right. more, you know, even that list is heavily, you know, oriented towards white women and stuff like that. There's, we had uh, Kimberly Bryant from Girls Who Code. What a fascinating speech she gave, you know, really mm -hmm. important issues. Uh, we had all kinds of, you know, Padme, uh, Padma a Warrior. She's a CEO of a car company. She's not interesting. She's very interesting. Um, so, you know, you could you could really, you know, they're not Mark Zuckerberg. No, they're not, you know, blank, blank, blank. But there's certainly, there's certainly, there's scattered um, women in leadership positions all over. You know, why not Susan Wojcicki, the, the CEO of YouTube? Maybe she was asked and they didn't come. She might I'd have like been asked, know yeah. That. I was going to yeah, say, it's a pretty like time for YouTube right now. But yeah, yeah of course. Totally. But still, she's not, she's not, listen, she's coming to six of our events that we're doing. So it's not like, she'll do it. You just have to get her to do it. And um, she's coming to Code Media. She's doing something else we're working on. I'm going down there. It's, she's not not available. Like she's 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 a CEO and she understands one of the parts of her roles is to be a public figure. Mm -hmm. um, and she doesn't shy away from those. By the way, she's very willing to talk about it. Um, so, uh, so anyway, I just think it's just it's just a lack of leadership on their part. And Ashley, who's an example of someone that you would uh, uh, a woman who you would want to hear speak, or you'd be like, yes, I would go to hear that person speak, even if they're not traditionally, like, or in the traditional consumer electronics industry. 
Oh, wow. Who would bring you to a conference that you're like, yes, Oprah. I'm interested in this person? I mean, oh. yeah, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Oprah, just get Oprah CTA. Yeah. I'm sure she's available. Well, I think honestly, about someone like, um, you know, I'll, think, I'll mention someone who I, I think is interesting but isn't in consumer tech, uh, but Jason Del Rey had her at his code uh, commerce conference, who's um, Emily Weiss, the founder of Glossier. Oh, yeah, that's great. I think what great. they're doing around building their brand is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And like, that's, you know. The CEO of Williams-Sonoma. The CEO of Williams-Sonoma. I'm blanking on her name. Laura. Uh, yeah, anyway, she she was at example. our Code Commerce. She's, she was there. She was there. Williams-Sonoma has to be involved in gadgets and all kinds of things in, 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 in the retail space. Um, you know, you could go on. And, you could literally go on and on. There's I could so make many. Yeah. Yeah. I, have a, I have a binder. The founder of, of uh, Outdoor Voices, the outdoor apparel brand. Right. I mean, I could, yes, I could go on and on around people that who are like, who are like, oh, they don't make gadgets, but I'm like still fascinated by what they're doing. You know what, doing. like, let me just say it for shame, Gary, for shame, just for shame. Like, please stop, like just stop talking and do something. And I think people, there's people inside that organization mm-hmm. uh, that uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to get an email from Gary too bad. I'm not going to re-answer oh, well. it, Gary. You know, here, um, hey, but Gary, let's, we're giving you some ideas. You know, you know, here's another example. Um, a, let's say like a top lawyer for one of the tech companies right now yeah. who's fielding, you know, requests from government. Tons, to give data tons. And from, you know, problems about manipulation of platforms. Like Ruth Perrette, the, now, the CFO uh, of Google. Exactly. An alphabet. Like you can go on. You know what? It, it, it's just, you know, we could have a lot less Gary talking on the stage and a lot more women. That's all I'm going to say. And that's the <laughs> end of my relationship with Gary. And I'm, that's fine. Um, <laughs> so anyway, let's move on to disastrous. It's just appalling. Let's just leave it at that and we'll move along. So disastrous of events. Uh, there was rain. I was, I was, when I was riding in, my cab driver told me they don't have gutters in Vegas and they had flooding. And then you had the power <laughs> outage, a transformer blue, uh, kind of <laughs> ironic. So tell yeah. us very briefly. And then we're going to get to readers' questions. So just super briefly. It's been, uh, it's been uh, the end of the world kind of thing going on there. Yeah, Las Vegas basically turned into hell. And that's <laughs> fine. It's mm-hmm. great. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, so there was rain and literally just the streets flooded. And I said to our driver, I was like, is this like normal? Like, and he's like, oh yeah, but you know, we don't get much rain, but every time it rains, it floods. It's like, all right. Cool. Yeah, they don't have gutters. And I asked <laughs> yeah. why, and they don't have gutters. And apparently it hadn't rained in 116 days. These, the people of Vegas know all these facts. So we yeah. need smart gutters. Smart we gutters. Need, or something. I mean, we just need gutters. They don't need an ass. How long was the outage? The pictures were fantastic. Oh, at like, least an only hour. Tesla oh, yeah. worked, right? I believe it was like only an hour. Tesla works. They had batteries there, right? So, so, so I'll be honest. We were we've been taping our Twitter live show every afternoon over in the Aria, away from the Las Vegas mm-hmm. Convention Center. So we were nowhere near this when it was happening, but we saw it all online. And um, right. I mean, the picture. I'm, I'm glad everyone was okay. Let me just put that out there. You know, especially given what happened in Vegas uh, late last later. I guess it was 20 years. 2017, I was going to say earlier this year, um, I'm glad that everyone in Las Vegas Convention Center seems to be safe and sound. But uh, that said, looking at the pictures of all the lights out was kind of hilarious. Well, yeah. And then then all of the vendors saying, oh, no, our booth takes two hours to boot up. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) oh, oh my gosh. I know. (laughs) I know. And then there was a woman who uh, was playing, I just appeared, and she started playing the violin (laughs) in front of a pitch black Intel booth. And uh, one of our colleagues, Nat Guerin, tweeted, that's some Titanic level shit, which was my favorite tweet of CES. They probably had her in the back, right? Bring out the violinists, quick, you know. I know. Rearrange the deck chairs. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's just, uh, it's kind of nice. been a week. Oh, and, the, and then Google's instantly. So Google spent a lot of money uh, to wallpaper Las Vegas, and they had a couple of uh, pretty big and cool-looking installations. One was right outside the LBC in the parking lot, and they had a slide. And everyone oh, was wants like a, to ride the slide. The slide looks really cool. There's like a human gumball-style machine, or you know, giant um, pinball or pin, pin, gumball. Know, gumball. It's a gumball. We don't know. We machine. can't keep our machines straight yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like the these gadgets come flying out of the bottom of it uh, but but they had to um, they had to shut down their installation on the first day of the show opening because of the the rain it was really sad too, people were like we saw them the water setting off up the roofs all these days ahead of CES and then the day comes and it's like up oh. I know all no, the world all it. the world's there's data always at a your technical snafu there's always a technical snafu with technologists all right so in a minute we're going to take some questions about CES from our readers and listeners uh, but first we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor Lauren I can't say ka-ching anymore. Can no, I have one can. more week? Can we push the deadline one more week? Yes, you better work okay. on that. Very get I'll come on up it, with please. another tagline All right. for next okay. week. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audiobooks are great for helping you be a better you, whether you want to feel healthier, get motivated, or learn something new. 
Try books like The 4-Hour Workweek, Grit, or The Sleep Revolution. When you become an Audible member, you get a credit every month good for any audiobook in the store, regardless of price. And unused credits roll over into the next month. If you don't like an audiobook, you can exchange it. No questions asked. Audible helps you listen to more books by letting you switch seamlessly among your devices, picking up exactly where you left off. Start a 30-day trial and your first audiobook is free. To get started, go to audible.com slash T-E-T-A or text the word T-E-T-A to 500-500. That's audible.com slash T-E-T-A, short for too embarrassed to ask. Or you can get started with just a text. Just text the word T-E-T-A to 500-500. Today's show is brought to you by 8sleep. Do you dread the cold winter nights? Staying warm at night used to drive me crazy until I came across 8 Smart Mattress. 8 comes with customizable tech features like dual zone bed warming so you can heat up each side of the bed individually. If your partner likes climbing into a cozy bed but you don't, you can turn one side on and keep the other one off. Winter is here and 8 Smart Mattresses will keep you nice and toasty all season long. Visit 8sleep.com slash T-E-T-A and use the code TITA to get $125 off all mattresses, plus free shipping and free returns. That's 8, spelled E-I-G-H-T, sleep.com, slash T-E-T-A, and code TITA to redeem this special offer. Okay, we're here with Ashley Carmen from The Verge, uh, and why'd you push that button? I love that. The word button, is that was that problematic when Trump grabbed the word button and made bad affiliations? <laughs> but I'm not... We try not to. We try to not think. Trying to it. think about the word. He's ruined the word button for me. Anyway, we're talking about CES 2018, and now we're going to take some questions from our readers and listeners. Lauren, would you like to read the first question? And then Ashley, you will have the immediate answer. Oh boy! Yes. <laughs> uh, these two questions are kind of in a similar vein. One is from Tom Maxwell. The other is from Eric Polonsky. Does uh-huh. anything of significance coming out come out of CES anymore, or is it all just vaporware that incorporates whatever is trendy right now with regards to AI? Uh, the second question: Are there any products that actually come to the consumer market from the show? It seems like everyone is just flexing their R and D departments, and consumers never see any of these innovations. Yeah, I mean, obviously you have these bigger companies flexing for sure, showing off the crazy stuff that gets all the headlines and the pictures and the videos. But there are, of course, the smaller gadget companies too, which are near and dear to my heart. And they come out with things that do ship or, are on, or you know, they might show up on crowdfunding. But um, yeah, like the big thing we saw, and this is just more of an R&D thing, but we'll probably see in the future, is the fingerprint sensor beneath the screen of phones Mm -hmm. and everyone thinks that's going to be the future so again like it's here we'll probably see it eventually it's not necessarily a product but it's not the same relevance it's not the only spot in town there's the auto shows now there's comic-con there's apple's events there's google's events there's so many yeah the big companies do things on their own right exactly like the big companies i don't think you're going to see is honestly the small i think ces is good for smaller companies i i like that about it I would say smaller companies and some of the um, bigger companies overseas like Samsung and Sony um, that don't often get to have big, splashy events for a U.S. market in the same way that Apple would. But yeah, people, you know, I mean, yeah, why would Twitter? Why would Twitter be there? Like, why would Twitter? They have no gadgets. They wanted to meet with all the big advertisers. Yeah. yeah. So that's. One I'm going like. to just say something quick, sort of in the spirit of innovation too. I feel like I've been coming to CES for eight years now, and I feel like there's a bell curve. Like when I started, I was really green, and then I kind of hit this peak jaded moment where I was like, nothing here ever ships, and then mm-hmm. and now I've eased back down into this place where I'm like, it's kind of cool that all these people come here and they're so excited to show off all of this stuff, and it is some of it's weird and. It's gadgety, and yes, some of it's never going to ship, but some of it does. And some of the products you see are like they're eventually integrated in some other way, in some other product that we end up finding really useful. Um, wow. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of I like cool. the tech journey of Lauren Good. Yeah, <laughs> the bell curve. Yeah. You know, there are, you're right, there are moments. I mean, I, I, as I talked about before, I, when Walt and I stood in the ridiculous, Walt Mossberg and I stood in the line to see the the um, the Motorola StarTac. We literally stood in the longest <laughs> line, and then we just walked by it. 
admired it and kept walking. It was like crazy. And it was still exciting to see that. It was definitely like, whoa, that was cool. Uh, it, was, it was ridiculous in hindsight, but it was cool at the time. Anyway, Star next Talk question. Was not ridiculous. No, I know. Okay. But the way we stood in that line, like it was like we were looking at the oh, crown yeah. jewels was like insane. And it was in a box, like a glass box. Anyway, um, but I had an enjoyable discussion with Walt. I ended, he ended up telling me all about his favorite uh, Star Trek episodes, which was disturbing for, for an hour. <laughs> But there you have it. Uh, what a memorable moment with Walt and I. All right. Uh, who need, uh, Next one is from Andre Capitan. Who needs a fridge with a touch screen? It seems like this is asked every year. Uh, Ashley, <laughs> does anybody? Does anybody uh, still don't need it? Uh, no. I think, I, think, I think we're good. It's, it was a good plot point on Silicon Valley this season. Remember the screen saved them? They hit program yeah, in the refrigerator. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I kind of, you know what I would really like? I would love a fridge that keeps my food cold and safe to eat. I think that's a really, I think that's a very good invention. Yeah, that's a good bar. Well, that's called <laughs> a refrigerator. That's I know, but that's what I mean. That's what I mean. I mean, I think there are some things where. Don't you have are, one? <laughs> what do you have, an ice chest at your house? You have one, right? <laughs> yeah, I have an ice chest. No, I have a refrigerator, of course, but like, I, I guy still come in with tongs time. and the giant ice. <laughs> I so, no, Kara, I just kill all my own food before I eat it, so I don't even need to refrigerate. Um, All right. No, I'm kidding. That's like a very Silicon Valley joke. So, uh, yeah. no, so I um, I remember the first time I went and saw Twitter on a fridge. It was at this a store. It wasn't even a store because they didn't sell things from there, but it was the Samsung Experience store up at Time Warner Center in New York City, which it's no, the, the thing is no longer there. But I went up for a briefing and they were like, and here's our new fridge with the screen. This was years ago. Here's our new fridge with the screen. And look, like, here's Twitter. And I just yeah. remember looking at it and being like, why am I going to look at Twitter on this fridge? Like from the very mm -hmm. beginning, I haven't seen a lot of use for touchscreens yeah, and fridges. In front. I don't have any. The use one we saw right. this year, you like knock twice on, and when you knock twice, it turns the, from a display into a transparent window. Oh wow! I like, <laughs> I'd like bonkers. a window. A window I'm with. Anyway, let's go to the next one. Which which product made you guys cringe? It's from AA Show <sighs> uh, at What a Show. Mm. What made us cringe? Uh, the stripper oh. robots. Oh, the stripper robots. I mean, that's, yes. You know what made fruit. me cringe? The reporters covering the stripper robot. That's what made me cringe. I mean, we what did a story. Reporters covered we it? did, but we were not writing about the actual event. We wrote about the guy who made them. I, we were very particular about how we wanted to do it because it was we, we were writing about the hype around it, obviously. But uh, we wrote about the, it's a different story. We did a different take um, on that, uh, which we did on purpose because I was like, oh, God, please, like, I don't know. I just was, it was, Wait, it what was, was cringe. The, what was the it, take that you guys it, it was, it, The take was this guy was Our making other things. Yeah, oh. but it's not just that, but that he was making other things that had nothing to do with this and got dragged into it. It was, it was interesting. It was, it, I, I, the creator was really interesting more than the oh. robots themselves. So it mm -hmm. was a good way to, to, to deal with an issue that was definitely problematic, I think, from a reporting point of view. But anything else made you cringe? I mean, I just never like the AI baby cameras. Um, I'm, I'm, I feel weird about that stuff when it yeah. comes to baby monitors and things, but meh, that's just a normal day in my life at this point, seeing those <laughs> yeah. kind of gadgets. <laughs> right, what else? What else? Yeah, I, w I, I would say, uh, like, it's not one particular thing, but um, I did go down one of the... Um, I went down to one of the, the preview shows that exist before the show floor opens. Mm -hmm, those and, are great. Um, yeah, and it's a really good way to see sort of a distilled selection of some of the gadgets that are out there. And I like went down and I was like, I was like, here are all the things in my mind that are connected right now and have an app that don't need an app. Like, oh, there's a mirror. I don't need an app for my mirror. Oh, right. right. There's my like, you know, water management thing. I don't need an app mm -hmm. for that. Oh, right. right. There's like the thermometer for my grill. Yeah, I don't really need an app for that. I mean, are those some of those things useful? Sure. But it's like the theme to me this year was that everything was connected in some way. And I don't think there's any way we're going to like ever really walk back from that. Yeah, yeah. You know, okay, good. the toothpaste is out of the tube. Toothpaste is out. Well, you know, there's electronic toothpaste. All right, what's the coolest thing? Uh, Gilbert, two people, Gilbert uh, Jaramillo and David Glenn Walker. What is the coolest realistic tech you've seen? And of all the bonkers tech you've seen at CES this week, which one do you think will go the distance and actually make an impact? Each of you answer that, please. I don't know the name of this thing, but a lot of people on our staff were excited about a fingerprint scanner. Um, okay. It's obviously something that would be like more of a B2B solution. They would sell into other OEMs, but uh, there was a fingerprint scanner that was being shown off that looked pretty cool. It was really fast. Um, I, I see things like that. I'm like, okay, that's something that will probably make its way into something at some point and could really make a difference in how we interact with tech. I think the bio, okay. I think biometrics in general are very cool right now. All right. 
Ashley? Uh, this was Razer's Project Linda, which we've seen phones be used to power a laptop, like become basically mm -hmm. the brains of a laptop, but Razer's proof of concept was the phone literally becomes the trackpad in the laptop. Oh, that's so you cool. just slot it right in and it becomes... That's a big idea. And I, I just think it looks really cool. Again, not a totally new idea, but it's really cool looking. And I'm always a sucker for something that looks cool. Do I need so. more wires? Are there more wires I need to purchase? Nope, there is a port right there and it pops out USB-C. Oh, wow. interesting. All right. You, okay. it, it can, I like it, that. It, it, is it your iPhone or it can be an Android phone? No, it's their phone? Razor phone. Oh, I'm sorry. Which, of course, everyone phone. has. Oh, but if that, <laughs> if that concept works. Yeah, then, no, but know. it is really cool. <laughs> Ashley's on her Razor phone right now. Yeah. All right. yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Those are Karen, cool did, you get to see, did you get to see anything in the short time you were here? I did not. Once again, I could care less. No, I did not. I did not. I did not. I did not. Anything did I see. And I didn't. I was so glad not to see one screen, like a big giant screen barking at me. So yeah. anyway. Well, you saw uh, human beings. I mean, you saw other I did. People, I spoke to people. Nice. I put my phone down. I wasn't, uh, you know, incessantly tweeting and stuff like that. I did you for a You could make the argument that the the human body is the most perfectly engineered thing out there. So, you know. Yeah, I went to, I did go to one dude party. It's supposed to be off the record, but it was all dudes. And when I left, the percentage of women went down by 50%. So. I bet I know which one it was. <laughs> it was me and another lady. No, there were a yep. couple ladies there, but I'll tell you, it was a sea of dudes. Um, and I scared them all and left, essentially. That was my job. I really did. I was really frightening to them this year, particularly. Um, I went for two seconds uh, and then went went on my way back to the airport. They all, of course, they're all like, oh, if you want to stay, I'll take you back on my plane. I was like, no, thank you, Ooh, Southwest will work. I know, I know. You're like, ugh. Do you think that's appealing in any way to Kara Swisher? Uh. I don't think so. Anyway, uh, so I took no private planes, but Southwest was very nice. Was very nice. <laughs> next question. Next I'm question. Move on to the next question. You Go can ahead. Keep talking about the plane, though, if you'd like. Um, no. This is from Kevin Ito, nine twenty. It seems the theme this year are voice assistants in every appliance you can think of. Is there anything non-technical consumers can look forward to? I'm asking for my parents, by the way. First of all, Kevin, mm. thank you to your parents for listening to Too Embarrassed to Ask. Um, and is there uh, anything non-technical consumers? Well, how could you have non-technical? Yeah, I don't know fully what that means. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's all technical, Kevin. But I will say, voice assistants are great for parents and for um, like elderly people kids. because it's and kids. Yeah, it's it is a really nice interface for most people, and mm -hmm. it's cool to see that. Maybe my non-technical, he just means not complicated. Uh, yeah. Neil I wrote this great um, essay at oh, the yeah. beginning of the week about how everything is just too complicated now, and he listed all the questions that he's gotten over the holidays from he's his right. family and his wife's family, and they're all, like, people just want to understand the basics, and here we are right. saying, like, this is six degrees of freedom that also integrates with NFC and an atom chip, and, it's, and people are like, what the hell does yeah. that even mean? Translates to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Ease of yeah. use is really important. It's always been the most important thing. And I think these, you, the only thing is when you do the voice assistance, there's like 90 videos of a kid asking for something and then porn popping up. Like, if you notice yeah. that, I don't know, every like week there's one of those horrible incidents. But um, but I think voice assistants certainly are uh, down that road of being easier to use. Like, there's pretty much everyone understands a voice assistant most yeah. of the time. So short answer, Kevin, is that I think Alexa, you know, Alexa products, uh, Hey Google products, like they're they're kind of as simple as it's going to get right now in terms of voice command and voice assistance. I think it depends on um, the build of the product you're looking at in terms of how complicated it is to use and which company you sort of trust with or your parents trust with having that assistant in the house. And, and there weren't any Bitcoin gadgets, were there? Ladies, anything? Um, I saw some big. I got some Bitcoin exchange like press pushes and press releases and stuff like that. But I didn't. I didn't I see anything did like not. tangible or physical out there on the physical. floor. Okay. That, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, Liz Weeks, uh, what's your read on how many new products work seamlessly with widespread tech? I, uh, for example, Bluetooth uh, versus trying to get us into their specific ecosystem. Well, Ashley just talked about Razor. Uh, what about seamlessly across widespread tech? I mean, Google and Alexa are fighting, obviously. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, how many new products work seamlessly? Well, most like Bluetooth products is we see pretty universal. Yeah, like Bluetooth most is... uh, most companies at this point, they're creating a smart gadget or using Bluetooth or Wi-Fi yeah. to connect at least, as far as that I goes. I think one thing I noticed when I when I went through the booths and was talking to some of these um, companies at the the press preview events is that. This surprises me, but a lot of them do still seem to have an iOS strategy first. 
You know, if they're syncing mm -hmm. with an yeah. iPhone, they're using Bluetooth oh, yeah. to sync with an iPhone app, and they're like, look, we work with an app. You yeah. always have to ask about Android, of course, um, given Android's massive footprint. And a lot of times they're like, we're iOS right now. And that's like something that's been pretty consistent over the I past agree. several years, um, which is interesting. Yeah, it hasn't changed. No. Yeah, um, but in terms of like multi-platform, Liz, one of the things that I hear companies say a lot when they come out with new products like new assistants or... Um, you know, I guess assistance is probably the best example right now. You start to say, uh, when is it going to work with this? Or when is it going to work with Spotify? Or when is it going to work with um, anything other than your own service? And they all say, oh, we're so open. We really want to work with partners. It's to come. But the truth is that a lot of the behind the scenes negotiations are really uh, incredibly complicated. And um, I think it's very rare to find a gadget right now, especially when it's being made by one of, let's say, like the big five hardware companies, big four tech companies um, that is like truly has an open approach and doesn't prioritize its own services in some way. 100%. Absolutely. All right, last oh, question. I have to ask this question sure. because Liz, sure. this, Liz, this is close to my heart. Um, Liz, Liz uh, Nasty Weeks also asked, will Garmin finally create a charger that isn't matting and fickle? Uh, Garmin and a lot of the wearable companies are notorious for their proprietary chargers for like every single one you get. It's like, here's a different charger, here's a different charger. Um, the past few Garmin watches, Liz, I've actually started to use the same charger, which, which makes me very happy. So um, I guess they're getting there. I don't know. Yep. yep, they're trying. All right, next question is a very good one uh, how, uh, by Lisa E., Lisa Airy. Uh, how do you make sense of the fact that the whole show is getting about getting more tech into literally every aspect of life while simultaneously there's an outcry for companies and regulators to address tech addiction? Very briefly. Mm -hmm. Ashley, what do you think? Oof, this is tough. I mean, I guess the idea would be a lot of these, at least if we're going with the voice assistance trend on the bright side, at least you're getting away from a screen, if that's any consolation. I mean, I think our biggest gripe isn't necessarily that we are addicted to tech. It's more we're addicted to our phones and right. checking yeah. our phones. So if yep. there's any way to get us away from that, even if it means just asking Google or Alexa a question and not having to search for it, which takes you out of a moment, it does, when mm -hmm. you have to consult a search engine. So. I mean, that's looking on the bright side, <laughs> I guess, for me. It's, this is only going to become more, this is the issue of, I think, 2018, this tech addiction issue. I think uh, Tristan Harris had it 100% right about that mm -hmm. uh, issue. And I think, I literally, I was just talking to Ariana Huffington, that's her focus, is it from sleep, she's going to tech addiction, and uh, Common Sense Media is pushing it, and obviously there was a whole hue and cry around Apple and Google and all of them. I think it's a... I think it's a it's a big issue. It's a, I'd like mm -hmm. to, I'd like to see if someone created a cattle prod uh, to to, uh, to or, or tech a tech prod for people who walk across the street and use their phones and stare at them. That happened to me four times today, um, oh. and I it just was so like I yelled at one person because they almost got hit and they were just staring down at their phones walking across the street and I went hey look up like and it was it's just like there's got to be something to pull people away from phone. Uh, in, pub in public spaces, which is an interesting issue. It's funny that you do that because someone yelled at me the other day walking into one of the convention centers for being on my phone um, while mm -hmm. also opening the door. I was just trying to figure out where I needed to be. And um, mm -hmm. he's just, he just started yelling at me. And I turned around and I said to him, sir, you only have the right to yell at me in public if you've never looked down at your phone in your life. Like, um, come on. Kara, you I, know I, you've no, walked around I looking not when at I your walk. phone. No, I don't no, actually. No, you've done you, it. No, I have done it many years ago. I stopped doing it after there was several accidents, actually, in the Castro. I, and you have children. You don't want them to do it. So, no, I actually, that's one thing I do. I do a lot of phone usage. But walking in public, you will be, just watch me. You'll be, you don't realize it. But I actually, I make a thing of it because I think it's really dangerous. I think people not looking up and uh, especially in their cars, I do not use my phone in my car. Like it's those kind of things I think are super problematic. And you are a less maddening person than I am. I guess I'm probably mad. I just no. I think everyone's me. done it, but I think it's really it's not that that's not the issue. It's that it's really not safe. It's just not it's not safe, and it's also weird. It's also beyond that. People can be weird if they want, but uh, this guy almost got killed today. Like it was just like ridiculous. Like for what? Like finding out like the last thing Donald Trump said. It's like ridiculous. Like they couldn't wait till across the street. Anyway. Um, 
Anyway, anyway, I'm particular on this issue. Uh, one um, thing I'll say quickly is um, I did a video recently about smartphone obsession. I don't want to say addiction since that's a strong term. Uh, but one of the researchers I spoke to, Larry Rosen, was talking about the fact that a lot of these app designers are are building apps that they become, you know, somewhat a, a addictive in some ways. Oh, they, sure. keep draw they keep drawing you back in. And he said a great line, which was, I think it's great for their business models, but I don't think it's great for our human wear. Yep, I agree. I agree. On, on uh, Metro now these days, because everyone's looking at their phone. And I, I don't mind that necessarily, but I stare at people and like look at them and smile. It's really, they find it very disconcerting. I'm like, hi, <laughs> hi, hi. Anyway, it's, you know, I run up behind people and yell. I'm the person who yelled at you when you were opening the door. I'm the same person. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, so here's the, uh, the three things from Philip Molly, Molly Malone. Oh, that's a song, Molly Fudd. A, love the show. B, never change the way you say button. Button. Or, I think that's you. Button. Ashley, how do you uh, say button since it's your podcast name? Button. Buttons. Yeah, but, button. Yeah, button. Is it that button. different the way I say it? Button. button. Why'd you push that button? That's how button. I say it. <laughs> on, uh, on uh, CES, would you love to hear your thoughts about the blitzkrieg of the event by Google with its actions on Google? You guys sort of addressed that, but. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, I am, am I shocked that Google spent you know, possibly millions of dollars, possibly, I don't, this is not yes, based on definitely. information, possibly millions of dollars, let's just go with, uh, on advertising around the show. No, I'm not shocked. I mean, I don't, you know, companies do this every year at CES. Um, I don't know that I, yeah, not much to say about that really. Yeah, Last year it was, it was good Amazon, marketing. It's, there, yeah. yeah it's, it's it got everyone's attention. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, there you have it. They spent a lot of money. Google wants to get noticed. Uh, we're going to do the last question. I'm going to skip over just because we already sort of answered it. Uh, Jack Russler at Greg underscore Coogan. Is it possible to merge CES with Burning Man and have just one event to avoid rather than two asking for a friend? <laughs> so CES on acid. To be, do yeah. you want that? <laughs> Nudity among these people. Yeah. What do you think? Nudity and drugs and gadgets. What do we think? Sounds like a, I mean, a bad comment. Yeah, I was going to say, sounds like CES from, uh, you know, from years past, an outdated CES, <laughs> yeah. perhaps. No, I don't, I don't I know. know. I don't, why Why do they need to combine the two? I, no, I'm I think sure he's they, kidding. Sure they... Lauren, I think he's kidding. I believe oh, he is you know actually. What? I'm too tired to take You're a joke. You're too tired. You've been walking too much. I liked it when CES had the porn fest there at the same time. That was always oh. my favorite. That's gone, right? They're not there yeah, anymore. Yeah, they're here next yeah. week now. Oh, they're oh. next week? Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah, it was so nice. That was a nice combination. I enjoyed that. <laughs> All right. But I always like, like people, like the difference crowds were always amusing to watch. And it was really, uh, and of course, I preferred the other crowd much more. Yeah, the juxtaposition of the two was really, was really yeah. the best part. Well, you know, in a lot of ways, I mean, people have said this for, for a long time now. I'm not the first person to say this, but, you know, the, the um, adult industry certainly um, has helped introduce and propel forward a lot of, of technologies course. over the years. So We're using the word adult, right? Okay. Sorry. I don't know. Well, I, I, it's not just porn. I mean, there are other things, too, that, you know, are sort of involved like, in that industry. So that's why, I mean, there's gadgetry. Yeah. <laughs> I say porn, and I think it covers the, poles, the whole thing. All right. It probably does. Ashley, have you discussed that on the show, the, the porn stuff? Because it is. She's right. They're very we innovative. We have not talked about porn. Mm -hmm. uh, we've talked about nudes, like sending nudes. Yeah. But that's more within, like, um, to friends or to partners mm -hmm. or people. But... Yeah, that's a good topic. I'm going to write I that I got to tell down. you, as a parent, I think about it a lot. I think about it a lot. Speaking of tech addiction, it's the same thing. I think about yeah, it with my sons. Yeah. I do. I do. I do. It's, it, it should be addressed and not in a ha-ha manner, you know. Oh, no, <laughs> definitely not. You know what I mean? It's a really interesting no, and disturbing trend on many levels. Anyway. No, well, uh, it's a very real thing. I mean, it's a real thing that exists in our world. And right, exactly. And we're back to yeah. stripper robots again. There anyway, yeah. <laughs> this has been another great episode of Too Embarrassed to Ash. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. Your show is terrific, and it's called oh, Why'd thanks. You Push That Button? <laughs> <laughs> That's, she's making fun of me, by the way. That's the way I say button, and <laughs> I does. hear about it from everybody. <laughs> and thank so, you, yeah. uh, and thank you to Andrew Marino from The Verge for recording Lauren and Ashley in Las Vegas today. Andrew says, "You're welcome." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Andrew, and thank you so much, Ashley. Yeah, this thanks for great. having me. And I'll see you later on the Twitter live show. Oh yes. We'll be talking about gadgets some more. And if you all enjoyed this week's episode as much as we did, be sure to subscribe to the show. And you can leave us a review at iTunes.com/slash/TooEmbarrassedToAsk. We really do read your reviews. We love your input. So please take a few moments to just leave us something quick. Do you know you just said input like button? Uh -uh. 
Anyway, just saying. Empire, Empire. Empire, yeah. <laughs> when you subscribe, you'll be the first to listen to new episodes every Friday or catch up on previous episodes where we answer all of your tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. And if you're not on Apple Podcasts, you can also subscribe on Spotify, Google Play Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. Can I just briefly say that I went to a Spotify event this week at CES that was um, called a supper. And oh, I went no. and I ate like... It was good, but it was like little bird foods and cups. And uh, Wiz Khalifa was there. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, What happens in Vegas. Or you can listen to every single episode at recode.net slash podcast. So just go to the website and you can find all of our podcasts there. And while you're there, you should check out our other shows, Recode Decode, Recode Replay, and Recode Media with Peter Kafka. The Verge also has excellent podcasts for you to listen to. There's the Verge Cast, which is our flagship, hosted by Neil I. Patel. Ashley here, sitting with me, and Caitlin Tiffany, host Why'd You Push That Button. And keep an eye out for even more Verge podcasts coming soon, uh, like Converge from Casey Newton. Casey Newton. Casey Newton. Don't forget, you're really going at it today, Lauren. Uh, don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Recode with the hashtag Too Embarrassed, or email them to Too Embarrassed at recode.net. You know, I think I'm just going to stay in Vegas, Kara. You can no, just I, go. <laughs> oh, are you just, offended? Yeah, like, just go. No, eh. You said, but, uh, no, eh. yeah. you know you you'll, did it. You'll miss me you're, when I'm gone. You're trolling me, Lauren. Good. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank you to our sponsors and uh, to Cadence 13 and Vox Media, which sells all of those ads so you can listen to this show for free. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. Johnson. for dealing. Johnson. Thank you, Eric Johnson. Especially if you're dealing with all the crappy Wi-Fi this, this week as we tried to tape. Uh, we'll be back next week to answer more of the questions that you all have been too embarrassed to ask. So tune in then. Hi, this is Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. This year, I'm launching a new live event series with MSNBC and NBC News. The series will feature town hall style conversations examining the impact of technology on the many aspects of the world today, including business, politics, science, health, climate, culture, education, and more. We'll have one-on-one interviews and other discussions with a range of thought leaders from corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and venture capitalists to journalists, government officials, and academics. These will air as specials on MSNBC with additional coverage and videos available on msnbc.com and nbcnews.com, as well as on Recode and The Verge. You can attend the first event live in San Francisco, California on January 19th at noon Pacific time. I'll be talking to Google CEO Sundar Pichai and YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki at the Yerba Buena Center for the Arts. For more information about how you can attend, just visit recode.net slash work. This special will air on MSNBC that night, January 19th at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. So just one more time to learn about how you can attend the taping in San Francisco live, visit recode.net slash work. Hey, this is Peter Kafka, the host of Recode Media. You have been listening to this podcast, which means that you like listening to people talk about media and technology, which is very good news because we've got an entire conference all about just that topic. It's Code Media. It's coming up very soon. You should go. It's February 12th and 13th in Huntington Beach, California. It is a very, very nice place to be in February. Specifically, it's the Pasea Hotel and Spa there in Huntington Beach. Enough about the place. I want to tell you about what we're going to do there. We're going to talk to the smartest, most interesting people in media and technology. We, as Kara Swisher and I, we're going to talk to people like Oath CEO Tim Armstrong, Susan Wojcicki, she's the CEO of YouTube, Kerry Trainer, he's the CEO of SoundCloud. I don't think he's spoken publicly anywhere yet. That's a good one. And HuffPost Editor-in-Chief Lydia Polgreen. If you want to learn more, you can go to recode.net, click on events. It's easy to find. Um, you can figure it out because you are smart because you listen to this podcast. That's Code Media Conference. February 12th and 13th in Huntington Beach, California. I will see you there.